On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks go into Houston and secure a very nice road win. We'll talk about how it all happened, the standout performances, and much more. And all of that is on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1614 of the Lot on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday morning. And today's podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account. Use promo code Lot on NBA for $20 off on your first purchase with Game Time. And also, I should encourage you at the top of the podcast to make this podcast, Lot on Hawks, your first listen each and every day. Check us out and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast, places like Apple and Spotify, as well as YouTube on the video side. And today's show, we'll focus on what became a third win in the last four games for the Atlanta Hawks, a 134-127 to victory on the road in Houston. Notably, the Rockets, who have not been great in recent years, they're pretty good this year. In fact, they had won 11 straight games at home. That streak is now over as a result of this result. And honestly, the first half tonight was one of the best halves of the season for Atlanta. They were by 20 points at one point in the first half. Didn't close it perfectly, but in commanding position, of course, uh, that wouldn't be a Hawks game without sort of a letdown at some point along the way. A very rough third quarter, but then impressively and resiliently, the Hawks kind of picked it up in the fourth, a strong start to the fourth quarter, and then they put it away at the very end of this contest to pick up, well, again, what was a very, very good win. Uh, I wouldn't say it was their best win of the season, but certainly in the top three or four when you factor in the, the situation and the uh, you know the, the venue and the way that Houston's been playing and uh, really a positive night on the whole for Atlanta. As we always do on the podcast, we'll sort of dive in with what, what sort of the big picture takeaways of the night were. And there is lots to highlight in terms of the individual performances in this game, which we'll come back to more later on with likes of Trey Young, Anika Kongwu, Clint Capella, Mike Madonovic, etc. But for me... There were a few rough stretches on offense in this game, but on the whole, the offensive product was tremendous for the Hawks in this game. For some context, the Rockets have been good this year, largely on the strength of their defense. They have a top five defense in the league on paper when it comes to points allowed for possession, the overall efficiency, top five in opponent shooting, top five in assists allowed, etc., etc. In this game, the Hawks had a 136 offensive rating. That would be great against anyone. That'd be really that'd be great against the Pistons or the Spurs. And the Rockets are really good defensively. The Hawks shot the ball very well in this game. 52% from the floor and 43% from three-point range on 40 attempts from three. That's a very nice number if you are a Hawks fan. 31 assists and 12 turnovers. Again, Houston's top five in the league at opponent shooting and, turn, and, and assists allowed. And the Hawks did that to this defense in Houston. They did well in the offensive glass in this game with 15 second, second chance points. They had 28 free throw attempts. Basically, across the board, it was very good for the offense. They had four guys with 19 points or more. Seven guys had at least nine points or more for Atlanta. So there was balance. There was basically, across the board, impressive behavior. And really nothing to really pick apart at all, other than maybe a little bit lower rim volume than I would have wanted. But uh, Trey was fantastic. Well, they got a little bit stagnant, I will say, in the fourth quarter. Um, we'll talk about that stretch later on, later on in the show quite a bit. But really, on the whole and overall, it was a fantastic performance from the offense. In a spot where they kind of had to do that in order to get this win. Because defensively, it wasn't great, let's just say. Um, it wasn't awful. Even Quinn on the podium after the game kind of acknowledged like they, they did not play great defensively. They would have liked to contest some shots better off. Um, perimeter, this is me talking now, perimeter on, on, this, on this night was not fantastic at the point of attack. But the Hawks did just enough in key moments. Um, they held the Rockets to six fewer 
three-point attempts and five fewer free-throw attempts than the Hawks in this game. That's a small difference, but certainly a viable one. Uh, didn't force turnovers in this game, and I think that you know Jamari Smith Jr. had a huge night. He, got, he was very comfortable with his jump shot. Same with Fred Van Vliet. But the Hawks did rebound the ball very well in this game, which has been a weakness at times without Jalen Johnson. That was not the case here. And the centers are really excellent in this one, both Capelli and Okongwu defensively. The Rockets took less than a quarter of their shots at the rim in this game, which is a very, very good statistic if you follow sort of where the shots come from on an NBA court. They still had about a 130 defensive rating. That's very bad in a lot of ways, but context is key. And the Hawks did play very well defensively when they had to. And offensively, it was brilliant the entire night for the most part, other than a couple of hiccups here and there. So, again, big picture, I would say it was the offense that won this game. Not a huge surprise for a team that's kind of built that way. But look, this is the way the Hawks are supposed to work in some ways. Obviously, you want to be better than this defensively. But getting a road win against a quality team as the underdog. The Hawks were actually underdogs in this game, according to our friends at FanDuel. And they probably should have been, given the way that the season's gone so far. But the Hawks put together a great offensive performance, which is what their calling card is supposed to be, and then defensively it was just enough. And that's kind of the, the blueprint all the way around, and uh, they kind of made up for the absences that they had in this game, etc., etc. Before we dive in to the actual game itself when it comes to the ebb and flow of how this one unfolded, I should note some injury updates that the Hawks actually shared on Wednesday afternoon, both in the small picture and the big picture. So for one, Bogdanovich returned in this game, and he, he was obviously missed quite a bit. Um, with the ankle injury, I said on previous podcasts, like at least it wasn't the knee. And Bogey looked like himself in this game. That's a positive sign, but that was kind of the number one thing to kind of monitor in the short term was Bogey's status. He ended up playing and playing very well, I thought, on Wednesday. Some more future-facing things, though. Both Jalen Johnson and Kobe Bufkin, the last two first-round picks for the Hawks, I got, sorry, two of the last three first-round picks for the Hawks, have been cleared to return to, quote, full team practice, end quote. No timelines projected from the Hawks on when they're actually going to return to gameplay, but certainly encouraging. It seems like Johnson is fairly close. I don't want to assign that too much to him, but he's been doing more and more. He practiced some today, by all accounts, um, and obviously he's still wearing a brace on that wrist, but it's, it's, it's his non-shooting wrist. That's always a little bit helpful to get him back on the court faster. Does have to shoot with it, etc. Um, that's something to keep in mind, but obviously Jalen's absence is the biggest story on the injury front for the Hawks this whole year so far. So to have him getting closer and closer back to practicing uh, just, I'll just say this, the Hawks are not going to practice a lot, I wouldn't imagine, in the next couple of weeks. The schedule does not dictate that. And just, I'll say this all the time, I think I even said it with Tyler on, on the show on Sunday, NBA teams don't practice a lot. And that's one of the hurdles that you can kind of have sometimes with longer-term absences, is that some coaches, I would say maybe even most coaches, want to see guys play like real five-on-five five in a practice setting before they actually play in a game after a long absence. And the problem is that teams don't often play five-on-five. Five. So we'll see about how close Jalen actually is to playing in a game. But the first big step is getting back to practice, and he was able to do that starting today. As for Kobe Bufkin, he's been out for longer, of course. Originally, the projection was 8 to 10 weeks from his injury in early November to have him come back on the floor with a broken thumb. That injury is more straight ahead in a lot of ways. It's, it's kind of annoying, I'm sure, for Kobe, but um, broken thumb is broken thumb. It just kind of heals on its own, etc. Um, but uh, we're almost to the 8-week mark. Uh, I'm probably in a, a three or four days, but by now I wouldn't. Okay, I probably guess he doesn't play this weekend. But um, Bufkin is getting closer, and of course, it's worth noting. You know, Jalen's going to play when, he, when he's back. Obviously, Kobe Bufkin is not guaranteed to see playing time, so there's not quite the urgency level there on, on some level. But obviously, he would have been an option at times in the last couple of weeks when they've had injury issues, and uh, he's someone that they want to keep an eye on quite a bit. Even if they had to send him in College Park to play some, it'd just be good to have Kobe playing basketball again as a first-round pick from a few months ago. 
Uh, the last one is kind of the less encouraging injury update, and that is about second-round pick Muhammad Gay. So his update was actually overdue. Um, I actually asked a few times. That the Hawks, uh, when they originally announced the updates for Gay and Bufkin, they were supposed to give an update on Mo Gay in four weeks, and it's actually been about five and a half weeks as of today. But he had a CT scan this week, sort of as a follow-up there. He's been cleared to begin light individual work. So not practice, light individual work. But he's not going to be reevaluated for four more weeks again. So Mogay is not anywhere close to returning at this point in time. Uh, just for context, it was originally announced he, was, he actually had a right low back stress fracture back on November 2nd. Sorry, November 12th. I tried to stress this then. I'll say it again now. It seems like it's kind of a, a pretty long-term thing. Back issues for big men in particular are a little bit tricky in a lot of ways. Uh, also, reevaluation does not mean return always, which I always want to try to say. So now he'll be out until at least mid-January, and that's just to be reevaluated again. So Mo Gay, um, I would s- certainly keep expectations pretty low on that. He's traveling with the team. He's been around the team, so that, that's a good sign. But uh, it'll be a while before Mo Gay is actually able to play and help the team in some form or fashion. So all that said, that's the news of the day and also sort of the big picture on what transpired in this game. But after a break to hear from our sponsors, we'll talk all about kind of how this game unfolded, the high moments, the low moments, etc. And there's plenty to get to, but first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors and our partners at eBay Motors. We team up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. We'll be preparing for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week. We're actually going to have some players for you that are guaranteed to fit on your fantasy basketball roster. So let's see what Josh has picked for us this week on the edition of eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. There's always a full list from Josh, but this, this time around, we're going to focus on Spurs wing Malachi Branham. Branham, and basically every Spur, other than women Yama right now, is off to sort of the off-the-radar start because San Antonio has been really bad this year. But Branham was a first-round pick a couple years ago. He's still only 20 years old. He's been starting lately for the Spurs as well. He's, he's actually started six straight, six straight games and scored double figures in all six games. I think that he's always been a guy who can get buckets dating back to his prospect status as a, uh, as a college player. And Josh knows he's also been passing better in San Antonio which helps his fantasy value quite a bit. Plus, the Spurs also generally play high-scoring games, and Branham is not afraid. So he'll, the numbers should be there on the fantasy side. And in the end, Josh believes Malachi Branham is undervalued. It's easy to see why that might be. And again, Josh Lloyd, a of fantasy basketball, is going to help you with winning your fantasy championships. And eBay Motors knows a lot about championship teams, and they know that it's each about each player being a fit for that roster in perfect fashion. It's the same for your vehicle. I'm on the road a ton really a ton for work and going to Hawks games all over the place, etc. And there's been a lot of times I've actually needed an upgrade to my car or even just to fix a part or two to keep things running and on track. And eBay Motors is the best possible place to do all of that. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you can make sure that your car or truck or your SUV stays running smoothly. They have LED headlights and roof racks and brake kits, bumpers, whatever your vehicle happens to need, eBay Motors will have it for you. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive right now at ebaymotors.com. That is ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is always available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we'll talk about how this game kind of unfolded now. And out of the gate, I sort of noticed this, and it was pretty evident all, all night long. They played a very interesting strategy defensively, did Houston in this game. They had Dylan Brooks, who's a good defender, but certainly a, a big, you know, irritant of a defender in a lot of ways. He was picking Trey up 94 feet to start the game in his typical fashion, and the Hawks were trying stuff to kind of get him switched off of Trey. Also, the Rockets had Jabari Smith on Clickapella, so they could switch a little bit easier. They had Alper and Sengun on DeAndre Hunter at times in this game. 
And actually, Sengun's been one of the bigger stories of the league this year. He's been awesome. But he's a challenging defender in some respects. And he actually got benched a little bit in the fourth quarter of this game because the Hawks were taking advantage of him, and rightly so. Anyway, on the other end of the floor, the Hawks played a lot of sort of deep drop coverage in this game. Much more conservative defensive scheme in this one than the Hawks have been employing for most of the year. Still some of the same stuff, but I think a little bit more throwback um, and conservative and kind of just, you know, in a solid way other than um, trying to overcompensate uh, with their lack of defensive talent on the wings right now. Uh, rotationally, the first subs were Bogey and Okongwu, as that kind of always is, but they actually played a two-center lineup, I think on three or four different occasions in this game. In fact, uh, Okongwu and Capella combined for 54 minutes in this one, so about six, seven minutes of two-center play, which is not a huge surprise, but certainly it was notable. Then Wesson Garrison Matthews. By the way, Seth Lundy, who played as the ninth man on Monday, was sent back to the G League after a quick stint there, and uh, College Park's actually playing in the showcase down in Orlando, so that's why he is down there, and he was not available for this one. Um, but the Hawks only played nine guys, and in the second half, it was basically like a seven-and-a-half-man rotation, and in the fourth quarter, I think it was like a six-and-a-half-man rotation. So they were very short trying to win this one and playing guys some real minutes. Um, early on, the pace favored the Hawks, I thought, Atlanta was up 11 after about 10 minutes. Um, Atlanta, by the way, top five in pace, and Houston is bottom five in pace. So a faster pace game definitely seemed to favor the Hawks, which ended up kind of proving out at the end of this one. Houston's a little bit of a more slow-paced, like methodical team, uh, more of a grinded-out team, and the Hawks are not that. Um, the Hawks took 15 threes in the first 10 minutes, which I love. I love to see that. I know Quinn does as well. I'm sure that he was, if he was asked about this, he would actually wanted more than 40, 43 point attempts in this game, but 40 is still a lot. And that was a good sign. Uh, DeJounte Murray had a good start in this one, 14 points. He was assertive out of the gate for Atlanta in this game. And the Hawks scored almost 1.7 points per possession in the first quarter. They were excellent out of the gate. In the second, another big run. A 13-4 run to go up by 19 points. Bogey hit his second three. Uh, Bogey keeps having that this crazy streak going where he, he has now hit two threes or more uh, in 20 consecutive games. That's the Hawks franchise record. And it keeps growing. So Bogey's been fantastic for a while. The whole team was launching threes. They actually had nine threes from Trey, DJ, and Bogey by the middle of the second quarter. Played with great pace. Trey was very good. Akong was very good, etc. Uh, Bogey actually took a, a pretty bad foul in transition that he kind of seems to always do. That's kind of a bad habit of his. Um, but he, he did make a three after that to kind of make up for it. Um, they had really good center minutes, which, which we'll come back to more often later on in this podcast. Um, a nice pass by DeAndre Hunter, I thought, to set up a Sadiq Bay three. Uh, good to see DeAndre kind of processing the game a little bit better each and every time. Uh, they didn't close the half very well. Trey had a couple of mishaps that were not characteristic of him late in the first half. They were actually up by 20 with 2.40 to go in the first half, only up by 12 at halftime. Um, and the offense was really fantastic in the first half as it was the whole game. About a point and a half for possession. That's obviously awesome. But uh, the middle of the game was one of two not great stretches. So I mentioned they were up by 20. The start of the third quarter, Trey and Dylan Brooks got into it a little bit. They were chirping back and forth. Trey got his fourth foul. And that actually forced him to leave the leave the game briefly, and that kind of started the uh, the downturn for Atlanta. That kind of I guess it maybe started at the end of the first half, but really kind of uh, sped up in the third quarter. It ended up as a 39 to 18 extended run from the Rockets to go from Hawks up 20 to Hawks down one in the middle of the third quarter. So it took like 10 or so minutes of game time to go 39 to 18 in favor of Houston. So that's obviously a very very rough stretch offensively. The whole third quarter was rough. They only shot 33% from the floor and 0 of 8 from 3 in the third quarter. Um, Houston made five threes, and really, they kind of got a little bit lucky with free throws in the third quarter. Otherwise, it might have even been uglier, but a 21-point quarter for Atlanta. And then it felt really very off process-wise with Trey off the floor in the third quarter. 
Defensively, it wasn't great either, as Houston got their footing in a lot of ways. But um, they were a little bit better at the end of the quarter with Trey and Boogie back in the, back in the game. But um, basically, Jabari Smith did miss a shot for three quarters. So that definitely was part of the factor for Houston. He had 30 points. But um, the, the Hawks kind of dodged a bullet with the way that they played in that third. It was pretty rough across the board. Now, it wasn't over there. Sorry, it wasn't over yet when it comes to drama. The Hawks actually started the fourth quarter out very, very well in this game. A 16-3 run to go up by 11 after being down by two. Akongwu was fantastic in the fourth quarter. Had four buckets in a row, basically, at the rim. Bogey hit a three. Garrison hit a three. Trey had four assists in, like, three minutes. Um, honestly, might have been the best, like, six-minute run of the season for Akongwu. And he was really great the whole fourth quarter, but especially at the beginning of the fourth quarter, he was just brilliant. Walling off the rim, flying around, etc. Hawks were up by 18 after a finger foul by Dylan Brooks and a three. A 10-0 run. It seemed like the game was over. I didn't say it was over. I didn't write down that it was over. It just felt that way. But then, of course, the Rockets have one more big run on them. It's a 14-0 run to go from Hawks up 18 to Hawks up 4. And the Hawks did not score for almost five full minutes in the fourth quarter. I have a, I have a stat about that in a second, but I'll come back to it. They didn't, have, they didn't have a point in eight possessions on offense. And they tried to give this game away in some respects. There was a shot clock violation where DeJounte Murray kind of got lost. There was a possession where it was, it was kind of like, you know, crazy giveaways and really scattered. And then Trey had a pretty easy pass to Hunter for a layup and just botched it. Um, it was a rough stretch for the offense. I think out of the eight possessions that did not score, at least five of them were really bad possessions. Like, not good process, took forever to get into anything, turnovers, shot clock violations, etc. Finally, Mer- I would say mercifully as well. Trey finally scored with 115 to go. Uh, honestly, it wasn't even the greatest shot in the world. He beat a double team because he's, he's just that good. And then... Um, Another turnover, like it was, they were only up by four with about a minute to go. Out of a timeout called by the Hawks at that point in time, Trey found Sadiq for what was pretty much the dagger three at that point in time. They got a lot of credit post game for Quinn Snyder for kind of just being ready to go. Bogey had to come out of the game. Like, he's, Quinn's not going to say this, but I think the way that Quinn talked about it pregame in particular, I, I'm pretty sure Bogey had a minutes restriction of some kind. But uh, Quinn doesn't like to reveal those, those things, but. Um, I think Bogey would have come back in or at least stayed on the floor if he did, was not limited on some level. But they, they brought Bay in the game. Uh, same with Hunter, by the way. But huge shot by Sadiq. Probably the dagger in the game to go up by seven with under a minute to go. If that was not the dagger, then Trey's bucket on the, on the next possession was definitely the one that put it away. And the Hawks technically did not trail for the last, I don't know, like 11 minutes of the game. But um, it went from, again, down two to open the fourth to up 18 with four minutes to go and then the lead was down to I believe four a couple of different times in the fourth quarter so it was a total roller coaster in the fourth quarter ended up being a game a quarter that they won decisively but man it was it was weird and here's here's the crazy money stat about the fourth quarter this should basically be impossible the Hawks scored 36 points in the fourth that's a ton of points obviously goes without saying they shot 71 percent from the floor in the fourth quarter, which is obviously fantastic. So, why, why, am I, why am I telling you this? The Hawks did all of that. Again, 36 points and 71% shooting from the floor in a quarter of the fourth. In the same quarter, they had a scoreless drought of 4 minutes and 45 seconds. So almost 5 minutes without scoring a point. And they still had those numbers for the quarter. That should not be possible. But anyway, the Hawks were that good in the other 7 minutes of that quarter, basically, to uh, win the game. In that respect. So, again, I talked about it before. Offensively, it was pretty much fantastic other than about a four-minute stretch in the third quarter and about a four-minute stretch in the fourth quarter. Everything else, 
Pretty lights out on offense the entire game, and the overall product was fantastic. Defensively, the Hawks' best quarter by the numbers was the fourth. You, you, don't, always, you don't always want to sort of have to rely on that, but it worked out for Atlanta. Even Quint said, said that after the game. It wasn't always perfect, but they got enough stops uh, at the end to kind of put the game away, and uh, there you have it. We'll have plenty more on this game when it comes to the individual player stuff, from Trey to Okongwu to Bogey to Capella, etc., etc. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You should never have to worry about buying tickets to a big event. With Game Time, you actually never have to worry because they have last-minute deals on tickets for football or basketball or baseball or hockey or concerts, comedy, theater, and much more. It's really easy to navigate as well the app at Game Time to find and buy tickets for any event in your area. And they're also obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on those tickets. They have zone deals for an average savings up to 18%. And at Game Time, you can get the view for your seats in the venue that you're looking for and have them ahead of time which helps you to know exactly what to expect when you arrive at that venue when you buy those tickets. And they have all-in pricing, so you know you're total upfront without any of the hidden fees. They have peace of mind at game time. It's the biggest thing. It's the most important thing, really. And the game time guarantee means you always get the best possible price with game time. Take all of the guesswork out of buying tickets by using the game time app. And download the app right now. Create an account. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase with game time. Terms apply. Again, create an account. And redeem that promo code. It's LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase with game time. Download the game time app today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed all right and to the players at the end of the podcast and uh, thank you for sticking around as always nine guys played in this one for atlanta west matthews played the least eight minutes had 1.2 rebounds um, missed both of the shots from the floor got to the line and split, split a pair of free throws west wasn't great in this game he made a couple plays defensively at the point of attack but offensively not great for west matthews it's certainly kind of um Evident to me, even as someone who likes the archetype that Wes Matthews brings, that he's a little bit overstretched right now. I think he's kind of the guy that you wish was like your 11th or 12th man, and right now he's like your 8th or 9th man. And that's uh, kind of not where you want to be, but I think he's giving them what he can give them. Offensively, it's a mess, but defensively he competes. And also a great locker room guy, by all accounts. Uh, Garrison Matthews actually had 6 points on 4 shots. Plus 16 is probably a little bit misleading. It's not really because of him. But he had one possession where he actually, he actually missed the shot. But I thought Garrison showed what he's capable of on offense with, a, with, with this off-ball movement that he had. Um, a huge off-ball play where he actually created a shot kind of out of nothing by using um, using a screen off the ball, etc. Anyway, he competes. He can shoot it. He showed that in this game with two for four from three and gave them solid minutes off the bench. Um, Bogey has been just fantastic. I know I've been, I'm talking about it a lot, but both here. I did it on Hawks Live last week. The whole thing. But Bogey just continues to be com- completely out of his mind. So 22 points, five assists. Four rebounds, a steal, and a block, and no turnovers for Bogey. Plus 14 in 30 minutes, four of six on twos, four of eight on threes, two of two at the free throw line. Bogey has been, and I'm not saying this willy-nilly, I've looked at the stats, I've looked at all of what the whole picture is. I don't I do not do this stuff out of, uh, out of just like flippancy. I firmly believe, at this moment, Bogey has been the best reserve in the NBA this season. Uh, he, he's not the betting favorite right now at FanDuel to win Sixth Man of the Year, and I think part of that is because the Hawks are 12-15. But he has been unbelievable, and uh, a big reason why the Hawks are staying where they are, sort of being afloat, and uh, the numbers are crazy. I mean, he scored 13 points or more, I want to say, in like 20 straight games. Like He's been crazy good off the bench, and that was the case in this game as well. Um, a Kongwu man, was a, he was really awesome tonight. I, I don't want to overstate it, but I thought a Kongwu gave them, if not his best performance of the season, um, certainly, highly, I believe it was his season high in scoring. It was with 19 points, uh, 11 rebounds. I think he probably was his best game of the season, honestly, when I'm thinking about it, all, all things considered. 19-11 on 33 minutes, 8 of 10 on, on, on twos, 2 assists, no turnovers. Didn't have a steal or block, but certainly played good defense in this one, plus 12. 
Um, he played the final 17 minutes consecutively. And it was a, a move that I would have endorsed. Like, had he not been playing well, as, as we'll get to in a second, Capella played very well in this game. It wasn't like they had to kind of bury Capella. Akong um, was just playing that well in the fourth, and they never went back to Clinton. He played the whole fourth quarter, and it was deserved. I'm sure he was gassed at the end of the game. But, man, he made so many big plays in the fourth quarter, and it's a good sort of luxury to have, to have two centers. We can kind of ride one of them to the end. And Kongwu was just, like, honestly awesome. I know I said it before, is one of his best stretches of the game, uh, start of the season. I think the fourth quarter might have been his best quarter of the season. It might have been the best game of the season, and a, a good time for that in a road environment like this one. To the starters. Sadiq Bey had the worst shooting game of anyone on the floor for the Hawks. He was 3 of 11 from the floor and 2 of 6 from 3. Uh, but he had 9 points, 9 rebounds, competed well, was plus 16. Again, got some credit from Quinn post-game. Uh, his shooting slump's been kind of weird in the last couple of weeks, but... Beyond that, I thought he actually gave them some pretty good minutes. Defensively, he was mixing it up. I don't think he was very good defensively on the whole, but he was at least physical in this one and uh, closed the game with a big, big shot. Probably the biggest shot of the game, whole, sort of on the whole, because if, they, if he misses that shot and they're up by four, uh, Houston has the ball and it might have got a little bit dicey. So a big shot there from Sadiq to kind of put the game away at the very end. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, 11 points, three assists, one rebound. Obviously, the rebound is not great, but I thought he actually gave them pretty good minutes in this one. He was competitive, um, good sort of attacking. I think he's done a good job recently in particular of not doing DeAndre Hunter stuff on offense. What I mean by that is that he's not ball-stopping. Like, he's making more decisive decisions, like quicker, um, you know, good, better passing, more three-point attempts in general, and uh, defensively, he's usually rock-solid. So, I thought he was just okay. He wasn't great, but I thought that he was fine. Clay Capella, I thought was really good. I mean, Akongu upstaged him at the end, and that's totally fine, but 15 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and a block for Clint in 21 minutes, which is like, you know, he was really, really, really good and active and good, and, you know, should not be forgotten in this one. The Hawks got 54 minutes of incredibly good center play, and obviously they played together for some of that, but um, they were both very good in this game. And by the way, Capella continues to rain from the free throw line. I know this has been something Kevin, Kevin Starr has been tracking a lot. He was 7 of 7 tonight. Clint is now far and away having his best free throw shooting season of, the, of his career. He's up like up near 70%, which is a, a huge step forward for Clint. So knock on wood on that one, but he's been really good on the whole, especially the last couple of weeks. Uh, DeJounte Murray, same kind of thing as Monday. He had a very good start and then cooled off a lot on offense. Not quite as um, kind of passive in the second half of this one as he was on Monday when he only took two shots. But had 21 points, 5 assists. Um, actually was 4 of 7 on 2s and 3 of 8 from 3. I like that DeJounte is still hunting threes. That's what he should be doing. I thought he played better tonight than he did on Wednesday. Sorry, than he did on Monday. Um, still a little bit weird after halftime, but I think Quinn talked about it after the game too. A couple shots late that I think were good looks. Just didn't go in for DeJounte. He was better. Defensively, not his best work, but uh, certainly I thought he was fine. And then Trey. So I have lots of Trey stuff here, but we'll say this now. 30 points, 14 assists. He was 5 of 10 on twos and 5 of 8 on threes. That's the line seven times. Four turnovers is totally fine for him, plus 11. This is the fifth straight game for Trey, having at least 30 points and 10 assists. That sounds impressive, because it is, but it's even more impressive than you realize. That's the third longest streak in the history of the NBA, and the first time that anyone's done that since 2017 with Russell Westbrook, who was winning the MVP, I believe, I believe that season. Uh, it is only all-time greats that have ever had five games in a row with three, sorry, with 30 and 10. The list is Michael Jordan, heard of him, uh, Tiny Archibald, all-time great, Russell Westbrook, future Hall of Famer, and then the only guy with more than five straight games with 30 and 10 is Oscar Robinson, and he did it twice. So that's pretty uh, historic context. 
for how good Trey has been. And obviously, 30 and 10 is an arbitrary endpoint. If he has, if he's, if, if, if he has 45 and 9 on Friday, the streak will end, and he might have played incredible. So it's, it's a little bit of arbitrary stuff, but again, only all-time greats on this list. Um, in those five games, Trey has Trey's averaging 34 points and more than 13 assists per game on 67% true shooting. And I've said this a couple times in the last couple days now, but I'll say it again here. We might have just seen the best month of Trey Young's career to this point, in my view. When you factor in this defense is better than it's ever been, again, not great, but certainly better than it's ever been. Um, the last calendar month, he missed one game here, but uh, in the 14 games that he has played in the last calendar month from November 20 to December 20, 14 games, he's averaging 32 points and 11.1 assists on 63% true shooting and playing better defense than he's ever played. So it's a month. It is what it is. He had a, he had a rough start shooting-wise this year. But Trey has been playing at a top 10 player in the league level for a month. Uh, it's Again, I'm not saying that's that's what he's going to be the rest of the season. I think that Trey was always way better than he was earlier this season. And maybe he isn't quite as good as he's been the last month. But um, you know, if you were bailing off of the Trey Young train a couple of months ago, I encourage you not to do that. But if you did, maybe get back on now. I think he's been playing out of his mind. And a big reason why the Hawks are cooking on offense, because he's kind of an offense to himself. I said that for many, many times at this point. But Trey is... Uh, very good on that on the floor. And now, by the way, the Hawks are back to being a solid fourth in the league on offense, and they're closer to third than fifth. They have a 119.7 offensive rating for the year. That is an excellent, excellent, excellent figure, especially when you factor in Jalen, uh, Jalen's absence, Trey's, Trey's tough start on offense, um, etc. So, impressive stuff from the Hawks in this one. You don't want to overreact, just like you want to overreact to losses, but certainly one of their be- like best three, four, five wins of the year. Not, I wouldn't say it's number one. Number one's probably still that performance that they did in, in Minnesota earlier this year when they had a huge second half. But certainly the Hawks, uh, or the, when, they beat, when, they, when they beat Milwaukee early in the year as well. But the Hawks needed this win. They got it. And they're now 12-15 and 15 on, overall this season. And part of the reason why this was sort of emphasized a little bit is that the Hawks play a pretty tough game on Friday, and it's a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday. So Friday, they go to Miami. Miami's... Doing Miami stuff, as they always seem to do. Miami, despite injuries, despite all the stuff, they're 16-12. and 12. They've just been rock solid. Um, they're not incredible. They're, in my mind, always a little bit overvalued by some. But um, they just win games. They're incredibly well coached. They beat the Hawks earlier this year without Jimmy Butler. Like, that's never an easy game. No matter what happens, no matter who plays, Miami's going to be prepared to play on Friday. It's a road game. It'll be interesting. And then Saturday, it's a home game. But it's a travel back from Miami, and they have to play the John Morant-led Grizzlies on Saturday. So I think, big picture, a split of those two would be a pretty good result given the schedule. But um, obviously, the first one is on Friday in Miami, and we'll have plenty of coverage on that game. And uh, one that the Hawks certainly would like to get revenge on for losing the last time when the Heat came to Atlanta. Please, please, please subscribe to this podcast. If you are a listener to the show on a regular basis and not subscribed, uh, I do appreciate you listening, definitely, or watching on YouTube if you're watching there. But please do me a favor and smash the subscribe button on your platform of choice, whether it's follow or subscribe, how about however your podcast player lists that. That, that would be appreciated. Auto-download the podcast as well on your audio platforms. I should say this as well. On the audio platforms, if you're a subscriber, you will get some extra bonus content from the Locked On Sports Atlanta crew as well with the postcast that they, that they do on the feed as well. If you're on the video side, it's just me. But um, I'm not doing any less. I'm still doing This is my sixth show in the last five days, I believe. So I'm uh, always here talking all things Hawks. But uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Five-star ratings and reviews. Please tell a friend about the show as well. Follow us on social media. Uh, I am at BT Rowan at Twitter on uh, Twitter slash X. Uh, the show is at Locked on Hawks. I'm also writing about the Hawks regularly at patreon.com slash BT Roland. And one more time. 
please spread the word about the podcast if you enjoy the show. Thank you for listening. As always, everybody, I don't know if I'll have a show tomorrow. Probably not, given that the back-to-backs coming on Friday and Saturday, but I will have each game broken down on Friday and Saturday. So please stay tuned for all of that, and we'll see you all next time.